Welcome to Roughly a Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, joined by my co-host, Phil Smeraldo, who has told me that he has a surprise for me, and frankly, I'm terrified, folks. So you and I are well, both about to hear Phil's lovely little surprise. It's not a surprise, really. I mean, did you see... I mean, I don't How really did you, want to get... You, you framed it as a surprise. I don't really want to get into politics, but, like, did you see what Donald Trump said today? It was pretty inflammatory. Oh, is this a this is a joke? Um, I, it's not a joke. I'm gonna play the audio clip for you and for the cus, uh, for the customers for the, the cus- podcast listeners. Your brain is so broken. Yeah, please play it. An absolutely. Well, Jared Kalinick is a total bust and absolutely loser. <laughs> I have been worse discipline at the plate since the time I asked Epic Rosie O'Donnell to put down the bonbons. How I mean, did you do that? <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, it's it's pretty bad for the former president to be saying that about Kalinick. It's funny. I mean, Kellenick never played for the Mets. So I, I don't know how he would have come across Donald Trump's radar, but um, yeah, it, Trump has had over the years some some a few baseball tweets. Didn't he? Didn't he tweet something about Verlander? That's why I did it. You can pick different voices uh-huh. on this thing, but I'll send you the link later. But that's why I picked Donald Trump. I was thinking you could pick Obama and Bill Clinton and stuff like that. But Donald Trump actually feasibly had baseball tweets. Like the one that definitely comes to mind is Verlander, and he's actually kind of right about Verlander. Was Verlander's a great regular season pitcher, but he tends to get touched up in the in the postseason. Yes, that one. And then there was one about Rich Hill from the Dodgers, um, yep. or was it Red Sox? Was he on the Red Sox at that time? I don't know. It was that Dodgers Red Sox World Series that the Dodgers ended up lose. Did the Red Sox win that World Series? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> The Red Sox beat the Dodgers in the World Series. But Rich Hill was on the Dodgers at that point, and Trump did not like that. Um, uh, they took him out too early? Yeah, they took him out. Why am I blanking on the Dodgers uh, manager? Oh, Dave Roberts, yeah. Dave Roberts, yeah. He did, Trump didn't like that Dave Roberts took him out that early. So those were just a couple off the top of my head. Okay, well, uh, we've... Uh, we've gone gone astray yeah that was um that was but certainly i thought i thought that was pertinent because there was legitimate news about jared kelnick today what was that um depoto was on the radio um and he said something that is going to piss off a lot, a lot of mariners fans and we'll get into the discourse stuff later but um basically it sounds like every indication is that jared kelnick is slated to be the starting left fielder next year this is something that I was going to touch on later in the show, which is the theme of this offseason for you and I and our communications back and forth in between Mariners trades and speculation and rumors and things like that has come down to one hypothetical. And that hypothetical over and over is this would be all be so much easier if Jared Kelenic was good. Yeah, it really would. Whatever you want to do. If you want to trade for Brian Reynolds, Jared Kelenic being good would help with that. If you want if you want an outfield slot fixed, Jared Kelenic being good would help with that. And uh, we're just not there yet. And uh, yeah, it's frankly a terrifying proposition to roll him out in left field. You but, know, yeah, based on the based on the amount of like bust to prospect success, like we should be really happy that we we hit 50-50 with the two outfielders, you know, like it, it's actually a pretty good ratio. But it just feels so unsatisfying to have him be as bad as he is. Well, yeah, I mean, think about Kyle Lewis, Evan White versus Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. It's just like they yeah. don't they don't always work out. 
folks, and this is an organization that does it pretty well. Uh, organization of the year, as, as was named by what, Prospectus or Baseball America? Yeah, Baseball America. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we're dealing with here. It's been, um, there's there's plenty of transactions for us to talk about. There's Teoscar Hernandez. There's uh, there's Trevor Gott. Going to spend a lot of time talking about Trevor Gott. Colton Wong. Cooper Hummel, right? We'll get into those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in between those four transactions that the Mariners have had this offseason has just been a lot of uh, discourse, as you said, and a lot of, of um, I don't know, poisoned waters, I think, of, of people talking about this this team before anything has happened. And uh, so Mariners Twitter is has been a, a frequent enemy of ours on this podcast. Not that we are not part of Mariners Twitter. We both tweet. We're both on there yeah. like, liking the tweets and things like that. But it has become so bad. Uh, like the the level of ire that the front office has uh, from the fan base for an incomplete picture of what this offseason has looked like. Like if, if the whole thing is, is settled and we know exactly what the Mariners have done, talking about them is one thing. Instead, we are getting like these piecemeal full arguments as if the entire thing is done all the time. And it's maddening. To, to be it a part is. of. And let me, okay, this will be my only defense of the people on there. And then after that, I'm done defending them. The only defense that I, I can see as being not rational, it's still a very emotional sort of reaction. But the only defense is, okay, 20 years, the Mariners have been, you know, there have been good years and mixed in there, 2016, 2017. That window was pretty good. But this team, based on where they are in terms of how much youth and and affordable talent that they have um, and where they are on the win curve, you know, they're already a 90 win team, a legitimate 90 win team. There is an argument to be made that if you're not going to spend money right now, when, when do you feel like that would ever even be appropriate? Because if you were to go out and sign one of these mega contracts, this team is actually in a in a way perfectly set up to absorb one of those meta, mega contracts and could feasibly i don't i mean granted we're gonna have um this discussion later on but one of those mega contracts could feasibly push you towards a world series so that's where yeah. these people are coming from and, and i get it to a certain extent but it's just like you said it's it's december 6th i i think there is a general aversion by smart front offices to avoid these as smart let me rephrase smart front offices in our in our sort of similar market comparisons to to avoid these types of deals um and and that just kind of is what it is david stearns uh you know everybody loves david stearns he kind of famously hated these mega contracts and he would speak about that often and funny enough the one that he did sign you look with milwaukee the extension with christian yellick now if you ask any Brewers fan everyone's trying to formulate different ways to to unload that payroll so I'm just saying they're not without risk either so that's that's just kind of my high level overview of that totally I mean I'm on record thinking that the Mariners should have gone after Carlos Correa and if getting getting him on uh, any deal would be worth it because you would put this team up over a hump and make them a better team but I'm also of the mind that this this organization and this this front office has gotten to this point by not chasing those deals. And, and mm-hmm. like, I'm willing to trust them to go further with that strategy. I think that they, like they have, they have proven to be much smarter than any of us over and over and over. Um, and so Mary's Twitter. It, yeah, it seems, it seems like 
the Mariners are cognizant of where they are in terms of their ability to spend. And again, this is going to be a rationale that's probably going to fall on deaf ears if, if you're just kind of spend the money or bust. But you would hate to get into a position three, four years from now where you're carrying, let's call it Trey Turner. Let's call it Trey Turner at $30 million a year, 27 and a half, whatever his AAV was. You're, you're hating to see yourself in that position uh, now having to let somebody else walk and now you're firmly in the decline years of Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. A team like the Phillies, a team like the Yankees, a team like the Dodgers, they can absorb one, two, maybe even three or four of those decline year contracts. The Mariners probably can afford one. Uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you have to really, really be cognizant of, okay, is this the guy? Is this the time? And I don't think the answer, no, it's never going to be the time to commit a fifth of your payroll to one player is actually a bad answer. I can, you know, people give DePoto a lot of shit because Norieoki one year, five and a half million is still to this day, the biggest um, position. I bet he player fucking loves that. Like that, that's, that's his yeah. favorite thing. But you know, they've built an, okay. I almost take that as proof positive as what they're doing work is working. They've built a solid foundation and a solid team and they've managed to increase their payroll without ever going out and making one of those huge splashes. So you can see the ability to increase payroll is there, um, but they, they don't want to do it paying for the decline years. And I think that's a fine viable way to think about things. I think, yeah, the, the, how you keep saying decline years, that is what a free agent contract is. There's, there's like when, the, by the time these guys hit free agency, Mitch Haniger is finally a free agent. Mitch Haniger mm-hmm. is, has already had his best season as a pro. Like that is, yeah. That is like, you know, if, if he, if he uh, commits, if he proves me wrong, like that is an anomaly rather than uh, the trend. And that has nothing to do with Mitch Haniger as a person or a player. It's just, the, it's just the truth of free agents. Last time we did a podcast, I gave you the hard job, which was come up with trade possibilities. And I took the easy job, which was come up with free agent possibilities. Free agent is the easy one for everybody. Every, there's a denominator of guys that are available and everyone yes. knows what they are. And those guys have a market value and they're all the decline. The trade market is everybody. And that it's includes infinite. infinite. And it includes options of, of ways that can make this team better that, you know, I'm again, willing to trust that that is going to, uh, that, that can yield more results than just strictly free agents. Now, and again, if people are worried about payroll, you can add payroll through trade. You know, it's not like, yeah. it's not, there's, it's not this binary thing. Like we have to get a free agent because we have to increase our payroll because that shows a dedication to winning. The team's payroll is increasing and it is increasing every single year. So I'm not sure where the, the angst is really coming from right now. But the angst is such where the proposition of replying to anybody on Mariners Twitter about what take that they have is so daunting it like yes <laughs> the, the the idea of, of putting a dissenting opinion out there uh, against the uh spend or die faction of mariners twitter is so daunting that i have th- four would you rather uh scenarios for you this is uh, so the, the basically the the would you rather is like a, a broad would you rather wade into the waters of mariners twitter reply to like uh we're not going to say a name here but like reply to you one. everyone knows who we're talking about <laughs> the, the chieftain of the, of the clan out there right yeah Re- reply to one of those tweets of the spender die faction or stand in the box for one at bat against may 22 may 2022 matt brash 
am i am i am i wearing i'm wearing like a helmet and everything right um yeah helmet no cup no cup yeah do i have to like try and swing the bat your goal well yeah what's my goal like because i could easily like i could easily there, just like, turn my there, back there's a like, runner, on, runner, on, runner on third one out and they they need you to swing the bat mm. Cause then I'm going to be leaning over the plate, probably trying to get some contact. That's going to hurt. Am I wearing like an elbow guard or something? Like what am I wearing? Like You're, what protective he, equipment am I wearing? Ty, Ty France is sick today and he gave you all of his stuff. He wears a lot of armor though. <laughs> so like that. And I do kind of want to, I want, I've never been able to really up close and personal. Like, you know, I, sometimes I sit in good seats at the games, but like, there's got to be there's got to be something cool about like actually watching that from the batter's box. Granted, I might get one in the ear hole. It's my uh, last day on earth, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna die though. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go with the brash. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'd rather I'd rather and, and not because I I to be clear, it's not because I think Mariners Twitter is like a better option. I actually think it would just It'd be just kind be of cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's something that's not fun. Would you rather wade into the waters or Talk with Robbie Ray about the benefits of the COVID-19 vaccine for one hour. I mean, both of those things feel like I'm going to Kind of similar. Yeah, they do. They feel similar. It's like I'm going to be banging my head against a wall either way. Is that all I'm talking about with Robbie? Just I don't get to ask him about baseball or anything? Nope. Can't Uh, change the subject. And and you have to be insistent on it. I, I can't like I can't just agree with him to like make him quiet. No, no. You, mm. you, your goal is to walk out of there with a sale. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, I'm still. Go- I'm going to take Robbie Ray. <laughs> I'm going to take Robbie Ray because and, it would be it would be a life be, experience of a lifetime. To not because it's even going to be fun, but that's how bad Mariners Twitter is. The discourse there is so toxic. I feel like it's less toxic talking to a anti-vax guy than than going to Mariners Twitter. Would you rather be Russell Wilson's media strategist for the rest of the month? throughout december or wade into the waters of mariners twitter oh i mean i'm okay i'm going with mariners twitter on that one and i'll explain why i feel like russell wilson is just i mean granted you know i don't watch that much football but i follow the news and the on twitter and stuff and and whatnot he just seems to me like he is in his own world like he doesn't get you know he yeah, he doesn't get it. Like he's so, and that's what money does to people sometimes. You know, when you make that much money, you can afford to be insular. You know, you can afford to not interact with people that you don't want to interact with. Like me and you, we have to interact with all different types of people all day because that's part of our jobs and part of work and part of just living a normal life. You run into someone at the grocery store, you know, you don't want to talk to them, but you have to. And it kind of grounds you. Him, he is has so much money that it'd be like it, it would be almost like talking to a robot. You know, it's like he he wouldn't get it. So I'll I'll go with I'll go with the Twitter. I think uh, do you watch the White Lotus? Yeah. Okay. I think I think it would be a similar experience to what Portia is having with Tanya mm-hmm. of of being around her. Like it'd be pretty miserable and defeating a lot of the time. But like you might end end up in Palermo having the time of your life like <laughs> could be yeah <laughs> so I, I might go with Russ on this one and then the last one here and this is very personal for you uh would you rather download Spotify or wade into the waters of Mariners Twitter 
I'd rather do anything than download Spotify. So I'm going to go with Marin's Twitter on that one. Easy, easy choice. Spotify listeners, Spot- uh, follow okay. five stars, how, all that. How much is Spotify a month? Doesn't matter. It provides everything I need. Is it $5? Is it $5 a month? Uh, I think it's, let's see, the family plan, which is what I'm on, which I split. Uh, sh- sh- yeah, 16 a month. So, okay. Okay. That's not, that's and not you can split it up if with six, six people. Plan, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still matters Twitter though. <laughs> like I have an aversion to paying for, I'm not cheap by any means. Like I will spend money, but I have an aversion to paying for things that I can so easily get for free. Like the podcast that you wanted a Blink of an eye and any song you could ever think of without ads. Well, yeah, the ads thing is annoying. I'm not going to lie. And actually the ads thing, there was this thing going on in um, the latter half of last year and uh, regarding like when a pitch would be, or like a, a guy would get thrown out or, or someone would strike out and it wasn't the end of the inning. They would put an ad on for like Jack in the box like in between batters do you remember seeing that are you talking like a root sports broadcast yeah 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 just like the 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 side ads or it's like 75 percent of the screen is an ad and yeah then... what is that shit when did that start becoming okay <laughs> that is the uh that's that's root sports getting up the money cannons so that they can go buy carlos correa that's that's okay that... and then also this year there's going to be patches on the jersey that's another advertisement like when when are we good <laughs> Oh, never, Phil. You, you you know what what world you live in or what planet you're on. Uh, this will never stop until until we die. Until yeah. Until your son is sponsored by Il Terrazzo Carmine. <laughs> oh, he's gonna do that either way. <laughs> yeah, boy. So yeah, I mean, to put a wrap on this this segment, which is obviously not the most fun segment, and we'll talk about the players the Mariners have acquired here I in a little that bit. Was but a fun segment. Yeah, but the you know, it, I'm just my four big frustration points that I outlined here. One. The expectations that the Mariners front office is going to be anything different than they've been in the last four years this offseason is is a little maddening. Another one, continuing to extrapolate Jerry DePoto quotes to mean something before we know what they mean is something that can only lead to disastrous results, even though we're about to do it here in a little bit. Forgetting that every single Mariners transaction that's ever happened, ever, like the Ty France trade, trading for Luis Castillo, all that has not been anything that anyone could have ever predicted before. So we're just never going to know exactly what this front office is going to do. And then forgetting also that the trade deadline is an extremely viable way to improve a team uh, and has resulted in players such as Ty France, Andres Munoz, Luis Castillo, Matt Brash, uh, and the list goes on and on. And that this is an avenue that can be explored. And it's like, it doesn't all have to be the checks that get handed out in this winter to tell you about how well this front office is doing. You hit on one point that I think is like the most important. You hit on many very valid valid points, but the one that's most important, when has this front office in how many years we're going on? So he took over in 2016. We're now going into 20, but like four, four years of, of this specific yeah. job. Okay. At what point has there been a transaction? Actually, you know, maybe the Colton Wong one was kind of like one that people he kind of people could see coming. But besides, but that, not Jesse Winker being involved in that deal. No, exactly. So my point is, when has there been one time where a 
we've gotten good indication beforehand. Like, you know, there's been smoke, there's been smoke, there's been smoke, and then it happens. And then B, when has it ever been a player that we were all like, yeah, that that guy was, you know, in the athletic article about guys who would fit the Mariners, you know, it just, it never happened. So just continually asking for that is like banging your head against the wall. This team finds value in different ways than, than what we as kind of, you know, fans see as the most immediate and obvious ways. Yeah. I mean, Jesse Winker and Abe Toro, the two guys who went out for Colton Wong could not have predicted those two No, being Mariners in the first place. Those, those deals came out of nowhere and that's, that's how they're going to operate. And like, Hey, that's fine. We got the coolest season of our lives last year through that process. Like I'm fine to write it out and they will strike when they believe that they can make the team better. And And by the way, I I can trust that. For the listeners, this is not us saying the Mariners don't need to get any better. They're fine where they are. They should, like, the Mariners probably need to add, I would assume, anywhere between three and four more wins for me to feel comfortable about this offseason. But it doesn't just need to be necessarily, let's go out and get a three to four war player, like on the free agent market. There are so many different ways that they can do it. And it's just so, it's almost like closed minded to just be like, yep, that's the way we should do it. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a, a good tra- or transition here to talk about the players that the Maris have acquired because uh, the way, you know, there's really two big deals that have been been done so far, uh, the Teoscar Hernandez deal and the Colton Wong deal. And had the Teoscar Hernandez deal happened this week, don't you think people would be like kind of happy about what's how how they handle things in this offseason? Yeah, and that's I think that you're right about that is like part of the frustration from the fan base does come from the fact that the Mariners always make quick moves, you know, so it tends to fade out of people's memories later on in throughout the off se- later on in the off season. Uh, they do it almost every year. This year it was um, Tay Oscar the year before that. It was kind of weird because of the lockout and whatnot, but it was uh, Robbie Ray yep. uh, the year before that, you know, they're always quick movers in the market, generally speaking. Um so I think part of the ire is it gets to winter meetings and that's when a lot of teams do the bulk of their work and Mariners fans might be feeling like left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a little FOMO there, but uh, Teoscar Hernandez has no FOMO because he's at the cool party. Now it is to play for those stupid blue Jays. You yeah. predicted in our last podcast that the Mariners would trade for the blue Jays Santiago Espinal, but you actually meant well. I, I actually didn't mean Espinal. <laughs> did you? But you actually meant Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah. Did you actually mean Teoscar Hernandez? I wish I could say that, but I'm an honest man. I really did mean Lourdes Gurriel. But like the fit was pretty naturally there with one of the Blue Jays outfielders. Like the teams matched up very well in trade. Um, I I really did think it was going to be Flexen because the Blue Jays they really need, need a yeah. starting pitcher. But uh, obviously they they need a bullpen too. Um, you know, uh, I think there was a lot of hand waving over Eric Swanson. We're gonna miss Swanson. He was a very good pitcher with three years of control. Obviously, you know, we talk all the time about reliever volatility, that kind of stuff. But uh, Swanson seemed like something happened last year, and and we can look at his usages. It seemed like the splitter was much, much, much more pronounced last year, and it led to a lot of success. Those those are the types of things where I I'm not as easy to hand wave. Oh, it's one good year. It's volatility. When a when a pitcher makes a discernible change, whether it be to their mechanics, their arsenal, 
whatever it may be, they're throwing harder, they're throwing softer, the pitch shape is different, whatever, and they start getting results. To me, that feels like a more um, sure bet that the guy is going to stay consistently good um, moving forward. Uh, Eric Swanson did. He changed the usages of his pitches. He moved to more of a splitter-heavy approach. And he he was very effective for the Mariners. It's not a small um, parting cost. And I think that that does get lost a little bit. Adam Mako, it's whatever. You know, he's he could be good. He could be Adam Mako. Who knows, you know? Pin stop, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 21-year-old lefty Adam Mako. Cool story being from Slovakia and then mm-hmm. to, to, to Canada. Um, so he is a Canadian or has Canadian roots. Now he's back in the Blue Jays organization. Cool for him. The Eric Swanson thing. Uh, yeah, absolute beast last year. He is who should have faced Jordan Alvarez in the playoffs mm-hmm. against Houston. Who knows where we're, what, we're, what conversations we're having if uh, if that were the case in that particular game. Or maybe our other dearly departed friend, uh, Matt Boyd. Yeah, or Casey Sadler with no elbow. I would have trusted him in that moment. (laughs) Uh, So we will miss those two guys coming back with Hernandez, a corner outfielder, 30 years old, right-hand hitter, free agent at the end of the year, toolsy player um, in terms of just like his raw athleticism, um, not necessarily like a great defensive player, but a guy who can get two balls because he's very fast as well as being able to mash 30 home run potential. Going to strike out a lot. Um, that's kind of the, the read on him. As soon as this happened, you and I both were like, this kind of feels like uh, a Mitch Hanniger that they can depend on a little bit more. Yeah, it's like a high floor Mitch Hanniger, which is actually a really good player. Like yeah. a high a high floor Hanniger is, you know, one of the better corner outfielders in the game. It's the problem with Hanniger has consistently been the inability to stay healthy. And when he does return, you know, it takes him either a while to go back into form or he he slumps hard, whatever it is, but it's been really hard on him and his body to try and consistently be in and out and in and out. So Teoscar feels like basically a similar profile to Mitch Hanniger with the ability to consistently put up those Mitch Hanniger-like numbers. To me, this move, moving on from Swanson felt like this this organization has hit a stride in their ability to turn water into Paul Seawald, essentially with uh, mm-hmm. with with their 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 pitching and like just bullpen ac- ac- like bullpen fixing acumen. And I think the Trevor got uh, acquisition that we'll talk about here in a little bit is kind of like you know uh, another feather another like testament to the idea that they feel that they can get people off the street and make them effective. And I think really that's- quickly. If we're going to Trevor God, I want to mention one last thing about Teoscar. The Mariners added $14 million of payroll with that trade. Just going to throw that out there. You know, <laughs> it's like, y- yes, it's a trade. But again, it's a trade where they're adding payroll, right? So Josh Bell just signed for, I think, two years, 30, $32 million, right? Was it that high? I don't know, something around there. He got like 15 million a year, 16 million a year, whatever. That's if the Mariners, if the Mariners had signed Josh Bell today and added $15 million of payroll, people would have been jumping in the streets and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When they do it via trade and they add this payroll and they get a talent that's more valuable, in fact, than Josh Bell, it's like, oh, ho hum, because it's coming via trade. I almost think it's just like people want to see a free agent so bad. They're so disillusioned by anything besides that yeah i mean teoscar hernandez was better than josh bell last year and yeah that's yeah. 
that's a, that's a lot for for a, uh, basically just a bat. But yeah, I, I let me look agree. what his actual. It was it was two years thirty three for for Bell that came in today. That's a lot. That's a lot for him. I would agree. And yeah, I mean that was a guy that we could have thought about as as uh, a potential add to this team, but who knows? Anyways, uh, next player that they added, this one definitely nobody saw coming. I don't even know if the Diamondbacks know who Cooper Hummel is, yeah. but uh, Cooper Hummel is coming in. Going out was this is a weird way to frame it that Cooper Hummel is coming in and going out was Kyle Lewis. Probably should talk about the Kyle Lewis part part of it first. Um, that uh, Kyle Lewis, who has had one of the stranger careers in Mariners history from being a first round pick to his crazy injury, to his comeback, to being the rookie of the year in 2020 in the short season, um, and to showing amazing signs of promise at various points of the last two seasons, uh, but ultimately ended up uh, going out for a, kind of a, a, a guy that nobody knows a whole lot about. Cooper Hummel um, is more a guy who, as soon as you see it, it's like on his fan graphs page, it's like catcher outfielder. Hell yeah, this is spicy. Yeah. But uh, you know that the, the the Diamondbacks actually have a really really <laughs> good player named Dalton Varsho who yeah. is a catcher outfielder as well, uh, which is such a weird combo. But hey, good for them. Um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like he's more outfielder than catcher, but you know can can put on the gear if need be. But more of an outfield guy, good plate discipline, walk rate north of ten percent everywhere he's been. Um, my thoughts on this: it, this is kind of like. Do you do you think that this is the Austin Nola organization trying to flex turning another catching prospect or catching project into something, or is this more of an outfielder? I think this is like the outfield them trying to do the outfield version of Ty France, like the late bloomer. You know, I think Hummel is what twenty six years old already. He's not young by any means, and he has not spent significant time in the major leagues um how old is cooper hummel let's see he is 28 years old 28 okay so he's he's you know he's up there like it's he's he is technically in kind of like if you think about peak years 28 to 32 which is generally what what baseball the aging curve would dictate is your peak uh he's already in his first peak year so he could be one of those late bloomers a la ty france um where, you know, Ty France rakes at every level in the minors, but he's still very old when he finally breaks onto the scene. Part of that was being a 33rd round draft pick. You just kind of the nature of the way it is, is you move slower through the minors because people don't believe in you. Um, maybe they, they see something there. I, I, my assumption is my gut assumption is he's, if Cooper Hummel makes the team, he'll make it as the backup catcher, but it'll probably be a situation. Well, no, cause I think they're going to, I think they're going to go with Tom Murphy just because they did tender him a contract. Um, so I, I don't know. He Hummel very well might start the season in triple a. Yeah. That's, that was my takeaway too. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what the spot is because of the way, you know, even, even um, the, the recent comments from Jerry DePoto, which we talked about not reading too much into those, but I think this one is somewhat earnest is like, they want a guy Right now, they're still looking for a corner outfielder, basically a guy who can play left field to supplement Cade Marlowe. Well, I said that in the wrong order. Jared Kalanick, uh, Taylor Trammell, and Cade Marlowe. Not Cooper Hummel. That was not brought up in that conversation. So it's yeah. interesting to see what what the plan is for this. And again, this is Kyle Lewis, a guy that the organization had a ton invested in, in terms of time, in terms of hopes. And here we're talking about him getting traded for a guy who might not make the major league roster, which is just yeah, if- pretty odd. 
if I had to imagine if Cooper Hummel, if I had to envision a scenario where Cooper, Cooper Hummel makes the major league team, it would probably be at the expense of like Sam Haggerty. Um, who's the kind of backup fifth outfielder, last guy on the roster type of deal. feels impossible after last year. Yeah, it does. So I just don't see a way he does it. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see Cooper Hummel at some point next year for sure. But uh, I, you know, just again, very strange. I can think of one weirder Mariner career than Kyle Lewis. And, And I don't even know if it's weirder. Who's that? Franklin Gutierrez. Yeah. It's, it's a similar kind of weird. Yeah, because Gutierrez had immense promise and then injury slash, um, I hate to be glib about this, but tummy issues. Uh, It cost him, you know, many, many years. Then he came back on very strong and had like one of the best half seasons in Mariner history and then flamed out from there. And like, that's that's it. Gutierrez was a more talented player at his peak than Kyle Lewis was as well um, in terms of major league production. I don't know about like raw talent or anything like that, but Gutierrez was... Yeah, better. he did. He did more. Yeah, he was better for longer. And granted, it wasn't a long period of time, but he at least showed that, you know, uh, Kyle Lewis. I mean, we really talk about like, oh, Kyle Lewis, rookie of the year 2020. That was a great season for him. Kyle Lewis had one good month in 2020, mm-hmm. you know, and his second second half, quote unquote, because the whole season was two and a half months. His second half of that season was actually pretty bad. Um, it was a weak rookie class because a lot of people were keeping their rookies down for obviously the extra service time. They didn't want to blow a whole year of service time on 60 games. So it was it was a rather weak class to begin with. And Kyle Lewis was OK. He was good. He was really good in the first month, but not so good in the second. So when we're talking about Kyle Lewis as a major league baseball player, the sample size is just not big enough to make any sort of statement that, oh, he was good. He was uh, I mean. I, I don't even know if that's true. And and then you add the 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 knee injuries on top of it. It it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's gonna pan out for him. And I hope it does, but hope it, it does too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when he was on, it was like, oh, this is this is something spectacular to watch in terms yeah. of raw power, but um didn't really get a complete game out of that. So yeah. uh, wish you the best, Kyle Lewis, and welcome Cooper Hummel. Going chronologically here, we talked about Trevor Gott a little bit earlier. He was a righty uh, out of the bullpen who was non-tendered by the Milwaukee Brewers, had better X stats than regular stats uh, last year. Can you convince me, Phil, that he is not Drew Steckenrider with less syllables in his name? I can't, actually, because it doesn't – I mean, the thing with these relievers is this is the one uh, area of of roster construction – where I'm willing to say, you know what? I don't know <laughs> as much as the front or like, I, I don't know as much as the front office. On I would any hope area. All of the, oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But like, especially this one, specifically this one, because it seems like the margins between a shitty reliever and a really good reliever are so tiny that maybe they see something in his biomechanics or in the pitch usage or something like that where they, it's just one simple adjustment and and you can turn them into a really, really viable reliever. But the margins you're working with on relievers are so much smaller than every other position on the field that it's just, it's just almost impossible to tell who is going to be one of those guys who's a Paul Seawald type uh, or a Penn, Mur- a Penn Murphy type or a Eric Swanson type and who's going to be, you know, Drew Seckenrider. It, it it almost feels like it's useless to to speculate on that. I will say this 
if I were to speculate, I'm assuming they like got a, a lot. Um, yeah. Just because they did guarantee him a major league contract, which is more than they generally do for these type of type of rec- reclamation projects. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, yeah, I mean, so much of the reliever stuff is just fit. Like the, you know, Rafael Montero just signed a pretty decent extension with the Astros and was very decent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And was miserable, well, you know, unlucky and miserable with the Mariners in his time there. And like the Mariners did it with Paul Seawald from the Mets and yeah, the Mets have had it happen to them. I forget the guy, but I think he's a pitcher for the Dodgers who was uh, a guy that they had burned out before. And, you know, like this, this just happens. And like, yeah. you know, I think they're willing to bet that what it didn't work in. And he was fine with Milwaukee. It's not. Ken, it's not Kendall like, Graveman, very pedestrian yes. here with the White Sox. Like it just, it's betting on relievers is a really tricky gamble, except for the very top flight relievers. Like those guys are going to generally give you the production. Uh, Andres Munoz, I'd bet my bottom dollar. He's a very good reliever again next year. Edwin Diaz, he's going to be a very good reliever again next year. Those upper, upper echelon relievers, they're pretty consistent from year to year. It's the it's that middle class that who really knows. Yeah. And the Mariners literally just did it with Casey Sadler of, of mm-hmm. the, you know, he came out of nowhere, got hurt last year, and now um, he is, you know, looking for a new team. So, We'll see what happens with Trevor Gott. And then ending it here with Colton Wong, who was the most recent trade. This was earlier, what, this week or last week? But going yeah, out this was on like uh, Saturday? Sunday? Is this Friday. This was like Friday night. Friday night. Okay. So going out was Jesse Winker and Abe Toro. Do you want to say say a few words for, for Abe? Um, I'm going to miss Abe. I mean, you know, Abe is not he was not good last year but he's one of the most aesthetically pleasing guys to watch on the team and we talk about this a lot what is a good baseball player versus what is a fun baseball player to watch like a fun baseball player to watch is a guy who makes a lot of contact slaps it around can run a little bit you know all those kinds of things Abe was very much that way and he had a little he had some pop in his bat too Um, for whatever reason it just never came together but you don't find very often guys with his whiff profile that also have the amount of pop that he does. I think he's a special kind of bat. That's not to mean that he, that's not me saying he's going to a hundred percent turn into a special kind of player, but those unique type of skill sets for me are really hard to let go of even more so than Jesse, Jesse Winker, like even at his best when he's really, really good, it's like, you have guys like that. You have Jock Peterson's kind of all over the place. You have Kyle Schwarber's guys who can yeah. mash righties in a platoon that can't play defense and can't run. And, and, you know, Jesse Winker is a good player when he's healthy and, and productive, but he's not anything more than, you know, a Kyle Schwarber, Jock Peterson type. And that's, what's really hard about losing Abe is that he was a, he's a special type of skill set. Uh, talk about Winker for a second. Winker may be the other answer for weirdest Mariners career. Yeah, <laughs> over over Kyle. he was the golden goose of that uh, that Reds trade last last winter. Uh, he was good, fine last year up until basically the end, but not in the way that the Mariners necessarily needed him to be. You had Pizzagate, uh, all mm-hmm. of that happening with them, and then the horrific defense. And then you had the Ryan Divish report about how he had basically worn out his welcome. The M's trying to refute that as hard as hard as they could. And now here we are where he literally wore out his welcome and is now a Milwaukee Brewer. So, it's- you know, he did not. I read his Milwaukee press conference. 
it seemed like he enjoyed his time in Seattle. I think, um, I think so. It didn't yeah. seem like he wasn't having fun at any yeah. point last year. So I don't, I don't know what to make of all the, the reports that, you know, he was a locker room issue or any of that kind of stuff. Maybe it's true, but it also seems like it might've been a touch overblown. Yeah, it could have been, but it also, you know, it's not impossible that he was having a great time and everyone around him was not having a good time. So. Yeah, he's, he strikes me as one of those people, too, that can't read the room. But, <laughs> not everyone you know. is super self-aware of, of how they uh, impact others. Um, but yeah, I mean, so again, just on Winker, like he was a likely bounce back candidate. I think you and I would have been fine with him as your DH basically last year or this upcoming year. Um, and you know, they were, the front office was stumping for his injuries being a big limiting factor last year. Yet here we are and, uh, incoming with Colton Wong, who is a former first round pick, which immediately sends Jerry DePoto into stage one of the Vince McMahon, uh, lean back, lean back meme, right. Any, any sign of a player being first round pick is, is, uh, stops, stops his halt a little hard a little bit. He's three first round picks. Can we just mention that the Mariners have three of them this season? I'm going to have you explain that in a little bit and into decent detail here. So uh, Colton Wong is a 32 year old lefty two-time gold glove second baseman. And you talk about guys who have whiff profiles like Abe Toro. Colton Wong has a whiff profile like Abe Toro, not a guy Mm -hmm. who um, chases a lot and whiffs on pitches and uh, takes good at bats. This is not like a, this is, this is not a sexy player by any means, um, but an effective player to be sure. Yeah. I think, Colton Wong had a, a a war last year of like two and a half ish. Yeah. And that was dragged down by what the front office does believe to be a outlier horrendous year on defense. Um, they've said and made it very clear. They don't think it's an aging thing. They don't think it's anything wrong with his range. There was just balls that he wasn't getting to because of mechanical issues that they believe that they can fix. And now he's with um, Perry Hill who has fixed yeah. everybody. So if you put Colton Wong's offensive season last year back with one of his normal defensive seasons, he's a four-win player. And I get get it. That's squinting a little bit to make that happen because you can't just take for granted that he's going to bounce back 100% on defense and you can't take for granted that he's going to continue to produce at the plate like he does. But that is the thought that the Mariners front office has is that I think they're betting on him being somewhere in the range or in the realm of three and a half to four wins, which is again, that's a great player. Yeah. And an upgrade over Adam Frazier. And that's kind of all that matters for Mm -hmm. um, how this works, right? You're you're not, you're just replacing and adding and, and all getting relative with wins. There's been some talk about um, like a Dylan Moore platoon situation. What do you, what do you make of that, of, of Dylan Moore, like, being the the lefty specialist in the middle infield. You know what? I wouldn't mind it, but I think that it shouldn't be a strict platoon with Colton Wong. I think it should be a half and half. Yeah. It should be a JP. half it should with JP. It should be half JP, half Colton Wong. Let J I let JP and Colton Wong figure out who is um, who amongst them is the better hitter against lefties throughout the course of the season but at the start it should be ha- he should be platooning half with each of them each each both colton wong and jp should get roughly oh there we go hey. roughly half the at bats against left-handed pitching see which one of them kind of rises and proves that they can hit the lefties a little better and then go from there and platoon after that platoon dylan with um the the loser of that competition so to speak as long as dylan's healthy and productive it does seem like he's having some sort of surgery um 
he's going to be out six to eight weeks, but should be ready to go by the time spring training starts. There you have it, folks. The uh, the roundup of the four Mariners that four major Mariners the Mariners have added this uh, or four major players the Mariners have added in this offseason: Teoscar Hernandez, Cooper Hummel, Trevor Gott, and Colton Wong. When we come back from this little break, we're going to talk about what's next for the Mariners this offseason. All right, folks, here to talk about Elm Coffee Roasters, our sponsor for the podcast. We are bounding into holiday gift giving, you know, company white elephants gift exchange season and uh it's time to start thinking about what you're going to give people and if you have somebody in your life who likes coffee i think that elm coffee roasters is a the perfect gift to give them and you can get your own bag of elm coffee roasters coffee 25 percent off with the promo code roughly r-o-u-g-h-l-y just like the name of this podcast when you check out to get 25 percent off of your first bag a great gift for this holiday season uh, they have many different flavors to choose from, so you can kind of customize to what that person likes, what their favorite types of flavors are, uh, or just surprise them and say, screw it. I think this is going to be great for you and let them deal with the consequences of that. But there are no consequences because every bag of Elm that I've had has been delicious and unique and special and uh, just the perfect holiday gift for anybody in your life who likes coffee or for yourself. Because if you're like, hey, I haven't been naughty. I've been awfully good this year and I need to treat myself and upgrade my coffee game. You can do that too. 25% off again, your first bag of Elm Coffee Roasters coffee with the promo code roughly. Go and do that. Uh, Have yourself a merry little Christmas, merry little holiday season. And uh, let's get back to the podcast to talk about what's next for the Mariners in this offseason. So here we are, Phil, talking about what's next for the M's this offseason. And this goes back to the the Jared Kelenic hypothetical because all of this would have a lot more clarity again if Jared Kelenic was good because then we'd be able to say okay that's our left fielder we can feel good about that and that's basically the roster at this point um, that is not the case and so in the meantime we are still looking for a little bit of uh, you know last last minute ingredients on the shopping list the uh, reported wish list that Jerry Depoto basically announced of what the team was looking for and again take all of this with a grain of salt is a right-handed hitter who can play the corner outfield positions to uh, protect the lefty triumvirate of Kate Marlowe, Jared Kelenic, and uh, Taylor Trammell as, uh, as you know, all three of them being left-handed hitters. Triumvirate sounds too, like, prestigious for <laughs> like that they're, group. Like they're all good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know I don't if know, any of them are good? I don't even know if that word, I don't even know if that word carries prestige. Can you say trio? Like trio almost just, sounds too good. Yeah, they're like a... They're three guys. They're three dudes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Uh, the team needs to add one hitter, maybe two, again, according to DePoto, and then some defensive first base protection for Ty France because you can't have him playing 162 yeah. games at first. Um, and you also can't have Ty France have any sort of mentality that he needs to play through an injury because he has shown in back-to-back years that if he can play through an injury, he will try it to his own detriment. So, yeah, and he'll suck. And, <laughs> yeah. not and you'll think he's the worst player in baseball for a little bit, and then he'll be just fine. So we need to protect against that, which is all very true. But what he didn't say is that they're going to need or chase an outfielder of some impact, such as, I don't know, Brian Reynolds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who just asked for a trade, Brandon Nimmo, who's still sitting out there, as an unsigned free agent, Andrew Benatendi, all three of those guys are still in play. Are we, are we out on those guys? Is this posturing? Um, yeah, I think we're out on Benatendi and Nimmo just, uh, just cause I just think there's other teams that 
those guys are more important to. I could envision a scenario where they get like a, a guy I just keep coming back to that I keep thinking is like one of the most perfect fits that Depoto would covet so much is Yandy Diaz with the Rays. Um, you know, he runs an on-base percentage north of 400. Uh, he can play third base and first base. So obviously he can obviously DH as well. Um, you can put a Eugenio at DH a couple days, give him some time off his feet, put Ty France at DH a couple days, get him some time off his feet, and then obviously put Yandy Diaz in between, you know, wherever he needs to go. And then the rest of his at-bats can be filled out in the DH role. Uh, it just feels like such a natural fit. Somebody in that mold, the third, the guy who's a third baseman, first baseman type. And and Yandy is one of the better ones, and he's probably accessible because I'm going to assume anybody from the Rays is accessible until proven otherwise. Um, somebody in that realm seems like a, a very realistic possibility to me. And then I know this is going to irk a lot of people, but it sounds like for that left field platoon guy, it's going to be somebody that is going to be feeling very unsatisfactory because they want to give for better or worse. And you know what, this is something that DePoto is putting his neck on the line a little bit for, because if Jared Kelnick, Taylor Trammell and Cade Marlowe all flop next year, there, there's going to be some hell to pay. Um, But it does not sound like it's going to be a guy who's going to push for um, consistent everyday at bats. It sounds like they want in that, corner outfield slot somebody who is very much just a a right-handed piece of a platoon yeah and certainly not sexy and and that um i think would be a disappointment when we talk about like from the vantage point of, of where we where we started this offseason but in totality when you put the entire roster together you know it it, it could work and we'll just yeah. have to to get there and again cross that bridge because this stuff hasn't happened yet there's another category of player that you and I had talked about somewhat recently of just the masher, just the the DH who can is just there to hit yes. and improve improve the lineup. Um, in that ilk of player would be Michael Brantley, JD Martinez, maybe Will Myers, um, anyone in that range. Uh, curl your toes at all? I mean, a guy me and you talked about off air. What does JD Martinez have left in the tank? I don't know. He had a pretty bad year and his peripherals were bad. So I think he might be cooked. But the thing with the thing with these guys is they're actually really easy to find and they're not very expensive. Like Luke Voigt probably could fill that just pure masher DH role type guy. Um, you know, that's one of the benefits, one of the hidden benefits of trading Winker is that you're freeing up the DH slot, which is historically always one of the easiest places to find, you know, guys who can mash for a good value. Yeah. I I think, I, I think I can see the Mariners getting there because of what, what you said. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's cereal, right? It's, it's empty calories. It's, it's cheap. Yeah. It's, it's easy to, to add value there. Um, and I also think that, you know, going back again to that Winker trade, what the Winker trade was, was a two for one roster move. And that was mm -hmm. cl cleaning up roster space and allowing them to get more creative with different avenues. Uh, rule five has been something that's been brought up by Justin Hollander and Jerry DePoto that sounds like they will be taking someone in via rule five draft. Uh, obviously that person has to be on the 40 man roster or on the, on the opening day roster. So they're, it's gotta be 
receiver, right? It's like, where else are they going to roll with a guy? I mean, it's, I, it's I, hard I, to imagine finding finding value in the rule five draft that's not a reliever. Yeah, it, like I can't imagine them going with a position player. Yeah, because if because like reliever is just like you you can just say there are multiple guys out there. Like if if they are betting on a position player in the rule five draft that player is going to be coveted by He's other in. people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I, I would agree that that is where they are thinking. And that's probably where they, you know, are, are just going to keep trying to find cost-effective avenues is in kind of the, the middle of that bullpen. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. The The risk you run with that is... Will Vest. Know, Will Vest, Johan Ramirez, those types of guys. And you have to be willing, when you're in the competitive cycle that you are, you have to be willing to cut bait and eat your losses and return the player if you if, if he's just not producing right away, which is a really tough position for a Rule 5 kid to be in. Some other stuff and other moves across Major League Baseball. You had Trey Turner signing with the Philadelphia Phillies for 11 years yesterday. Uh, Jacob DeGrom signing for three years with the Texas Rangers. Uh, Justin Verlander to the New York Mets for a two-year deal. Mike Plevenger to the White Sox. And then Carlos Santana to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And yes, Carlos Santana Santana is in. Yes, Carlos Santana is in the the same ilk of those players. um, Unequivocally, Trey Turner, uh, DeGrom, etc. And then, yes, you said sleeper agent because we have postured that Carlos Santana uh, was allowed to sign with the Pirates that he could from the inside, poison the Pirates and push them to trade Brian Reynolds to the Mariners, which I, um, you know, I think there's what a 65% chance that that's happening at this point. So uh, good on, good on Carlos Santana doing it, doing doing good work. It feels like the Mariners are not going to be in the Reynolds sweepstakes. Just again, I know we can't take DePoto at his word for everything, but it just seems like they've really just, I don't know why. I don't know what data they're receiving seems like they still think Kelnick is the guy. It seems like that they've had a lot of bites of the apple here with Brian Reynolds. This is not a guy who is, you know, has come up uh, just now. I think dating back yeah. to not this past trade deadline, but the previous trade deadline was a candidate for the Mariners to go and get. They did not. Um, I remember on uh, Ryan Divish's podcast this past offseason, I think heading into spring training, him asking Larry Stone, would you trade Jared Kelenic for, this is again after, before Kelenic had had another kind of rough major league season, would you trade Kelenic for Brian Reynolds? Like this has been speculated for a long time, as was Colton Wong. So you never, you never know, you can come back to these things, but. Um, it you know what DePoto like- loves to do? One of the, his favorite things to do is. Fuck with oh, us. Oh yeah, we- We've liked we've liked this guy for a long time. I remember when Luis Castillo was uh, traded to the Mariners. Yep. He said, "Yeah, when we were going through our rebuild in 2019, and we traded Justice Sheffield, or we traded James Paxton, we were looking at Luis Castillo. It's like, okay, and you picked Justice Sheffield. All right, so okay. And then, you know, they did it with Colton Wong. They're doing it with Brian Reynolds. They love to be like, oh yeah, we've been on this guy for a long time before he was even good. Like they love to like be like, oh yeah, we're smart. We know who's good." revisionist history all the time yeah. Yeah. yeah see see if you think we were just licking boots for jerry depoto at the start of this trust us yeah. we make fun of him all the time all the like, time <laughs> this is not this is not that podcast uh but yeah that so i would agree it doesn't seem like it's going to happen but um you never know the the yesterday's price is not today's price the the brian reynolds deal that, that that could make this happen you know could pop up uh and if it doesn't pop up now it could pop up in july or you know in, mm-hmm. in late june so we will get there. Uh, other moves. What? 
Real quick question about Brian Reynolds' saga. Why does he what spell lever- it with a Y instead of an I? That's not his fault. Yeah, so was, he, didn't, he didn't spell it, it that weird. way. Um, what what kind of leverage does Brian Reynolds realistically have? Yeah, this is a like, good question. Yeah, you can requ- you can request the trade all you want, but like, what are you gonna do about it? Like, it, the team controls you for three more years. Like, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> with the Pirates, you know, it's like okay, don't play. We'll just continue losing. That's totally fine yeah. with us. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's and it don't is... accrue a year of service time. Like, oh no, like that's what they that's like their wet dream. They want that. <laughs> It is a bit odd, um, but and you don't see it very often. But um, I think this is like a humanity plea of like, please, yeah. <laughs> pl- please let me out of here. I, like this sucks. I hate it here. Um, can you, out of the goodness of your heart, can you release me from from this uh, like failing blockbuster of a of a, of a franchise? Yeah. Uh, that's probably but what it is. It, it is worth noting that anybody who thinks that like he's going to come at a discount now is is mistaken. Like he has the the Pirates have all the leverage in this situation. They absolutely do not have to trade him if they don't want to. He should put out a, a torture video like him, grainy grainy <laughs> footage, uh, you know, gagged and bound of like you have to help me. And that at reading, that point, reading from like a note card. Yeah, at that point, like the government <laughs> has to get involved. Uh, yeah, I think that that's. That's Brian's best uh, best outcome here. Other weird moves: the um, Taylor Tremell is now wearing number five. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Who was number five before? Um, Mike Sweeney. No, I, don't, I don't know. But like, was there a no- <laughs> was, was Jake there- Lamb wearing number five? Was, am I crazy I there? Know. Was there right. was there a guy? I guess my question is: was there a guy blocking him from doing that previously? Um, Jake Lamb, I can't get fangraphs doesn't have what number he wore that's, that's there one. i'll do some invest i'll do some investigation thank you very much yeah i don't i don't know who is blocking in there uh Mariners traded for easton mcgee that just nice. game spire claimed him off waivers uh isaiah campbell perlander baroa jonathan classe and Cade marlowe were protected on the 40 man uh from that rule five draft any surprises or notables there for you um say the names again Isaiah Campbell, Perlander Varroa, Jonathan Classe, and Kate Marlowe. Uh, Jonathan Classe is kind of an interesting name to protect just because it's, generally speaking, you you want to kind of protect the guys who you think have a realistic shot of getting picked in the Rule 5 draft. Classe has never been above high A, and he's not been particular, like he's been good there, but it's not like he's been setting the world on fire there's no indication that he would come up and be able to hold down a roster spot even on a rebuilding team for an entire season so organization must think highly of him just to make extra sure that they don't want him to go in the rule five but it seemed like a little bit of a weird one yeah he's 20 years old and so the yeah the proposition there is that a team would have to take him and keep him on the team the entire year as a 20 year old yeah. who is that, that is that is a little odd um but they obviously have some good reason for it. Casey Sadler, Ryan Brucky, Brian O'Keefe, Louis Trends, Luke Weaver were all non-tendered uh, who could, I guess, still sign with the Mariners, but were not uh, extended the arbitration continuation of their contracts. And then I told, promised you I'd come back to it, Phil. The Mariners have three first-round draft picks. Can you explain how they accrued uh, not just their one that they get from being the 23rd or whatever uh, worst team uh, and then the other two how did they get three you made picks? it sound bad the 23rd worst team <laughs> but that's actually like really good yeah framing yeah um, so obviously this is a very interesting and potentially like once in a sort of blue moon type of situation um, 
because baseball draft picks, just the nature of them is that you cannot trade them unless they are comp picks. Um, teams don't generally accrue any more than two first round picks. Uh, and the only way teams can accrue two first round picks is by a, like the New York Yankees will never have two first round picks unless they trade for a comp pick because they are not in the pool of teams that are considered low revenue teams or mid revenue teams. The Mariners are in that pool. So every year, um, a certain amount of compensation picks get doled out to either teams who are losing free agents who they put the qualifying offer onto, or if they're a revenue sharing team, sometimes you just get a bonus draft pick based on the luck of the draw. This year, the Mariners got a bonus draft pick based on the luck of the draw. Their ping pong ball was selected, you know, Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things. So now automatically they have number 22 or 23 or whatever it is, which is just their normal draft pick. And then their comp A. There's also a comp B draft pick, which is after the second round. The Mariners got a comp A draft pick, which is after the first round. And then obviously, as is part of the new CBA, with Julio Rodriguez being up the entire year and accruing a full year of service time, the Mariners and winning rookie of the year, the Mariners get rewarded for not manipulating his service time. Um, For instance, Adley Rushman, uh, let's say he had one rookie of the year. The Orioles would not have been eligible for this pick because they manipulated his service time. He came up halfway through the year and he, and he uh, was not eligible to gain that full year of service. Now, obviously it doesn't really matter for the Mariners, because they signed Julio to a basically a lifetime contract. But still, because they brought him up at the beginning of the year, they are eligible for that, um, what's called a PP, I think it's a PPI or something, uh, player manipulation, I don't know, whatever the acronym is. They're eligible for that draft pick. And because Julio won Rookie of the Year, as stipulated in the new CBA, the Mariners are rewarded for bringing him up and not manipulating his service time with an extra draft pick at the end of the first round. Uh, what that does now, again, we've talked about the, the bonus pool in baseball a little bit on the podcast. Um, baseball is an interesting sport when it comes to drafting. Uh, it It's not as simple as, okay, well now the Mariners can get the 22nd, 29th and 33rd best guy. You know, that's generally not how baseball drafts work. There will be somebody that is a top five, top 10 talent who falls down in the draft because of signability concerns. It'll always be a high school player um, because high school players have the most leverage. They can always say if they don't like what the team is offering upon drafting them, they can say, yeah, forget about it. I'm going to college. So high school kids always have the most leverage. So we saw it last year with the Texas Rangers. They signed Kumar Rocker for under slot in the number two pick, they gave him less than what his slot value was. And then in the fourth round signed a kid named Brock Porter for overslot, who was a high school kid, because you are only given so much bonus pool based on how many picks you have. So the Mariners having the 22nd, 29th and 30th picks, they will have an extremely large bonus pool and be able to sign one of those people who is a, a, a top five, top 10 talent, who falls due to t- signability concerns. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm game with all of that. And uh, I, I think this organization has probably shown that they are uh, 
you know, they, they can gear up for that. And Walter Ford uh, this past year was, I th- was he was, he was a, was he an overslot guy? Yeah, he was an overslot guy. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they have interest in doing this. Um, and and if know. they want to, and they want to play it straight, they can just go ahead and do, you know, pick 22, 29 and 30 all at slot and get three really good shots at the, or three really good bites at the apple. It, Basically, what this does is it just opens up different possibilities for the Mariners in the draft. Either way you look at it, the Mariners are going to be adding an influx of talent, whether that's all concentrated in one top five kid who fell due to signability issues, or if it's due to them adding three kids who are all pretty good. You know, Mm -hmm. either way, the Mariners are going to add some some high end talent, which could give you confidence, the fan that they would be operating from a position of surplus to make a move at the deadline or, you know, a future trade or go get Brian Reynolds or something like that. But yeah, a better form system for the way the Mariners are going, where you are paying a, you know, gadzooks of money to uh, Luis Castillo and Julio Rodriguez, et cetera, going forward. Uh, you need to be able to replenish to be able to do that over and over um, to just keep this thing going, because that's, that's the only way that, you know, this doesn't end up in flames at some point. I would agree. You have promised a state of baseball discourse, state of baseball discourse address. Are you prepared for this? Are you at the pulpit? I'm at the pulpit. It's not going to be long. Well, you know, generally speaking, I always start by saying that and then it ends yeah. up being like 20 minutes, but I'm going to keep it short. We have a problem. All of us. You, all you, of have, us to, you have to start with my fellow Americans. My fellow baseball fans. Because okay. not all baseball fans are Americans. But we have a serious problem in the way that we talk about baseball. And I'm not going to get into like the larger socioeconomic issues as to why that is, but it is worth mentioning that last year during the 2021 labor dispute um, in baseball, a lot of people picked sides and almost all those people. And for good reason, wanted to side with the players because that is sort of, that's the underdog, so to speak or whatever. And that's, that's, that's good. I like that, you know, um, However, that sort of discourse has not been dislodged from our brains in 2022. Um, Whereas now it almost seems in vogue and fashionable to basically wave off any sort of notion of overpaying contracts. And, and And the common refrain is always, these billionaire owners can afford it. Yeah, I'm not actually disputing that at all. Of course they can afford it. Um, America can afford single payer health care. Uh, is it a reality that we live in? No. So we as fans, I think sometimes when when people bring up legitimate concerns regarding, oh, that's 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 an overpay, yikes, you know, how is that gonna fit into the payroll going forward? Is what's this what are the downstream ramifications gonna be? Whenever somebody dares bring that up you know, you're kind of yelled at as a simp or a bootlicker or whatever. <laughs> and, but that's what I see on Twitter a lot, that word simp. Um, so fine. If that's the way you want to look at things, I, I think you have your right as a baseball fan to, to look at things whichever way you want to look at them and whatever makes you feel good. But just banging your head against the wall and telling the owners to spend more money is such just like a waste of time. And like, I wouldn't recommend it as a way to follow the sport because yeah, John Stanton could probably afford to run a $300 million payroll. Honestly, he probably could, 
is he ever going to do it? No. So let's try and be realistic and talk about, you know, what, what we can do with the budget that we have. Uh, if the Rays or the Guardians fans or, uh, you know, any of those people try what like if, imagine them, you know, talking about baseball the way it seems that Mariners fans are talking about baseball, where it's we can afford this. We can afford. Yeah, we can. And so can the Rays and so can the Guardians, but they're not going to do it. So as fans, you kind of have to accept that and and move on and try and figure out what the most efficient way to build a roster is with the payroll that you have. Otherwise, it's like. I'm not really sure what the point of following the sport is or following at least not the sport following the roster construction aspect of the sport. I think following sports period. Like I remember yeah. after this is probably a couple of years after um, the whole Kevin Durant signing with the, the Warriors Durant might've even have left the Warriors at this point, but Draymond Green was on a podcast talking to, I believe if memory serves Adrian Rojanowski or someone like that, about uh that whole period of time and he basically said like you know there was scrutiny over what durant had done and joining the warriors after that in dream on green who you know say what you want about him but this kind of goes to my larger point his his point was yeah but he he did something that you wouldn't would not have done or that you didn't like that is it Mm -hmm. right you're talking about a human making a decision that you didn't make and that you didn't like like that is Mm -hmm. what this is and you if you are going to uh insist that the decisions that get made are the same as what you would want you will be disappointed every time because every single time you are not that person and you don't have the control over that and so yeah get mad if you're frustrated by something obviously voice it you can do that but like like you said it's the banging of the head it's the insistence that this organization this front office is going to be anything different other than what they've appeared to be uh until we have evidence that they're not going to do that then like what is the point you're going to lose your mind if you keep thinking that way that way yeah i i just it's like if you want to watch mariners baseball and be a fan of mariners baseball and and be that way just wait until the season starts because if you're gonna like start getting nitty-gritty about like roster construction during the offseason and stuff and and you're gonna be so thoroughly disappointed when they don't sign aaron judge you're gonna be disappointed a whole hell of a lot and i just and I don't even care that, you know, you're going to be disappointed, but it's just like the anger and the ire for anybody who dare suggest like, hey, let's try and like actually think about like realistic and plausible scenarios for what the Mariners can and are going to do, because that's what's really fun. And like, I think anybody, you know, you say, OK, for instance, if I were to say on Twitter, uh, ooh, Trey Turner, he's not worth you know, 11 years and 300 million. Does that mean I wouldn't love watching Trey Turner play baseball for the Mariners? No, of course I would. That's not what anybody is saying when they're mm-hmm. not like, I would never watch Trey Turner. It's, is Trey Turner at $27.5 million a year the most efficient way we can build out our roster knowing the payroll constraints that we have? That's what people are saying. And for some reason or another, it's just gotten totally misrepresented as why are you trying to, you know, save the owner's money? Or It's like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I really don't care how rich John Stanton is or anything like that. I'm just trying to be, you know, realistic about where we're, where, where the team could likely, likely go. Yeah. I mean, this, this organization has been the, the like the Robbie Ray sign, signing was, that's, kind of felt odd for them to do it right yeah. for, for them to get into and and like has that gone great <laughs> do, do yeah. you feel do you feel great about the next four years of Robbie Ray but like 
that's what this is. And, and yeah, it, to, for it to be so binary of just like you either uh, completely support everything that the fr front office is doing, or uh, you hate what they're doing and want them to sp spend money. And like, those are the only two worlds to live in. It's just like, that's not fun for anybody. Yeah. It's not it's, fun for anybody. So. And it dumbs down, it dumbs down the discourse. Like, because it's so lazy to just be like, yeah, well, you, you know, you could say, well, this is how the Mariners could win, you know, gain six wins here. And by doing it like this, and then someone to just chime in, why don't they just set, sign Carlos Correa? It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just not fun. It's not a fun way to talk about it. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost, it's almost better to just let things happen and then react to them rather than yeah. to play this game. Uh, but you know we'll do both, and and uh, this has been a good mid off season, maybe the whole off season. We don't really know yet. Uh, Roundup here. So I think I think he's got two moves left. I I agree. There something yeah. will happen. Um, yeah. To to what degree of splashness? Um, I think we we've kind of talked about that. That uh, wouldn't get your hopes up for a uh, fifty foot cannonball off the the top uh, top diving board there. But um, you know we'll maybe have something to talk about. Dive. Well, yeah. swan dive yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to really really scrutinize the um the uh the level of precision there but this is roughly a podcast this is good to catch up phil kind of ended and started or started the podcast in very similar places of being uh very frustrated with how people talk about baseball uh at least online but i love talking to you about baseball i love talking to you about baseball <laughs> for for this time so we'll keep doing that um, and when there's more news, we'll get back on. If you like what you heard today, give us five stars, uh, review, subscribe, all that stuff helps us continue to be uh, other people's favorite Mariners podcast. So um, 121 in Japan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, 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 for, yeah. So podcasts, like when you have a podcast, people send you emails like these podcast bot accounts send you emails. And uh, we were number 121 for baseball podcasts in Japan. Um, according to this one bot email it away I, yeah <laughs> we 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 <laughs> talked about each row once and that yeah. <laughs> had had to have been the 100 let's just people. make it a shohei otani podcast and we'll probably be like top 10 at least do we just need to sell out just yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely zone in on one thing uh, last thing and I, then we can go did you know last season and the season before that in japan they run uh uh cameras basically oh yeah they have the, the otani cam the Otani cam where the whole game is just a camera fixated on Otani. Mm -hmm. For him to not have like his brain poisoned by that and for him to be still as delightful as he is, is, is yeah. really something. Yeah. We like Otani. Well, maybe next year, that'll be the person we all have a meltdown over when he signs with somebody else. But well, maybe that's what we just need to do on Mariners Twitter is just, even if we're wrong, end up being wrong of just saying, Hey, all this consternation over not signing these guys, they're going to go get Otani next year. Yeah, like, don't worry. <laughs> and then and then you'll be disappointed next year. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Uh, we will talk right. when there's more to talk about. Talk to you soon.